and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK. And with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Robin Pritchard, founder of Cancer Care Map, an online resource that helps people living with cancer to find care and support services in their local area, anywhere in the UK. These services are wide ranging and include counseling and support, exercise and fitness, and financial advice amongst many others. Its aim is to make sure that no one goes unsupported because they are not aware of a service in their local area. Robin joins me today to discuss how Cancer Care Map works and how it's impacting the communities it serves. Robin, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I mean, I've been very excited when I first learned about this, which was only very recently. Um, and I think Cancer Care Map joins a whole range of digital mapping services that um, I seem to be aware of, and no doubt you are as well. Yeah, I think it's becoming, I mean, we we launched our pilot site back in 2018 um, and went fully live with, with cancercaremap.org in 2019. And we're, yeah, we're starting to see more and more sort of people. And I think especially over the last 18 months, more and more people have turned online for help and support and to connect with other people. So maybe that's a good way to just, just if you can give us a little bit more detail about how the project got started. You, you mentioned it was in 2018. And and then maybe just give us some examples of the kinds of support services that you're actually mapping. We're a charity and the, the, the charity behind Cancer Care Map is the Richard Dimbleby Cancer Fund. Uh, which was set up in the 1960s following the death of broadcaster Richard Dimbleby. Um, um, so we've worked in the field of care and support since that time, um, predominantly through our work at Guy's and St Thomas's Hospital. And around sort of 2015, 2016, the idea for Cancer Care Map sort of first was sort of talked about. And, and it came very much from people approaching us personally saying, oh, we, we, we know you've got a support centre in London. How do we find out about the the support near us um, when people are affected by cancer and so we commissioned some research with guys in St Thomas's to a sort of do some local mapping of support services in southeast London but also sort of to look wider to see how were people signposted to support services in their area and it became quite apparent quite quickly that there was no single place to go some charities do have directories on their websites but it's sort of tailored to a, towards specific types of support or a specific tumor group or a specific sort of brand of support but there was nothing that encapsulated everything and the alternative was just to go to google and that's quite a sort of intimidating thing to do mm. um, if you're sort of when you're first sort of diagnosed with cancer and i think quite often people are told don't google it wait until you see your clinician but actually, when you can't sleep and it's three o'clock in the morning, the first thing you do is pick up your phone and start Googling. Mm. Um, and I remember in one of our focus groups, a patient said to us, going to Google is like being given the key to the British Library and being told to go and find a specific book, which yeah. you don't even know what that book's called or where to find it. Um, yeah, maybe the lights are even out as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so that's kind of where Cancer Care Map came from. And, you know, we're completely independent. We work with all the UK charities, all, all the community groups, all the NHS trusts around the country. And it's about putting all that information that's out there, all those amazing support services that are out there in the community and in the NHS trusts in one place where you can find them. So just give us some examples of what you, you mean by support services. I mean, I mentioned a few in my, my intro, but um, you know, I'd like to hear from you what some of these services actually entail. It kind of falls into sort of three main groups, really. There's the sort of psychological support, emotional support, counselling, 
Um, and I think probably that's the, the thing that people initially think of when you think of sort of support, um, okay. cancer support. Um, mm-hmm. But but then there's sort of health and well-being support as well. So all those kind of health and fitness to do with people's awareness of their you know physical things that happen to them following surgery and treatment. It's all those sort of health and well-being support that's out there. Mm-hmm. And then there's practical support. It's things like you mentioned sort of financial support, finding out about how to sort of navigate the benefit system, things like uh, travel and transport, how to get to and from. So obviously there's a huge sort of financial impact if you're suddenly having to travel to and from hospital to appointments all the time. Um, so, and there's so many amazing support services out there, charities and community groups that offer help sort of taking people to and from their appointments. And another much more practical thing, there's a charity that we always talk about called the Cinnamon Trust. They're UK-wide and they have pet foster carers, essentially. So if, you know, you're living alone and you have to go into hospital for a certain amount of time, they will foster your cat or your dog for you. So it takes oh. all that sort of all that sort of anxiety. And there's, mm-hmm. there's a real concern for people, mm-hmm. you know, when, when suddenly they're impacted by cancer. It mm-hmm. affects all sorts of, you know, aspects of your life that you may not even have thought of before. And actually, you, you might not even consider that there could be a charity out there that would... to help you with those things indeed yeah so i mean obviously it's patients themselves who seem to be your primary beneficiary group but but is that the only beneficiary group i mean are is no no clinicians or gps or healthcare professionals yeah and and when sort of going right back to the beginning when we we sort of held our first sort of focus groups to try and find out sort of if we were going to develop something what did people want we we brought together a group of patients, carers and clinicians, a couple of GPs involved as well. Yeah, it's not just for the the person going through cancer. And and I think quite often as well, the the sort of person themselves, especially at those sort of early stages of diagnosis and treatment, you're so focused on what's happening to you and your appointments and what's, you know, that sort of practical, this is what I've got to do for the next however many sort of months. And quite often it's the sort of people around them. It's either the carers or the, the family and friends who are wanting to do something to help who are feeling helpless and want, want to sort of offer some advice. So I think, mm-hmm. again, Cancer Care Map can be a really good sort of resource for them when you, you want to find out, well, actually, what can I do? What's out there? How can I help my, my friend, my partner by Indeed. sort of finding out about all that sort of extra additional yeah. support that's there? I was going to ask you about that too, because one of the things that we notice with with our patient group is that often it's not the cancer patient himself that is actually seeking care, seeking treatment, seeking advice, but it's actually a, a patient advocate in the form of a family yeah. or, or a loved one. So it's interesting to hear that, you know, you obviously recognize that and that you've designed this map to support them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's on two levels. As a friend or a, a family member, you you want to be helpful. You want to be able to sort of come up with things that they hadn't thought of that can sort of be of real use. Mm-hmm. But also sometimes those, especially if you're the sort of primary carer, you need support yourself. You you know, it's that old adage, you can't pull from, em- from an empty cup. You need to, you know, again, through the, the work that we've done at Guys, you know, very much it's that supporting the people who are supporting the people who are going through yeah. cancer is, is really important because it has, you know, it's a huge mental, physical and financial impact on people. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, something else I want to pick up on, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier when you said that often people, they don't know that they need certain kinds of services or support. And sometimes, at least in our patient group in prostate cancer, I think the reason they don't know this is because A, they don't talk about it. And B, the reason they don't talk about it is it's kind of perceived as taboo. And I put that in inverted commas. And 
And I'm, I'm curious about how that concept comes into what you're doing. And I'm aware that, that many of the services that you're mapping and, and by doing that, making it accessible to people are addressing elements of cancer and cancer treatment that are seen as taboo. And, and this might include sexual dysfunction. It might include mental health, the urinary and bowel function, for example. And these, of course, affect many men with prostate cancer. So I'm wondering how you think the map might help to, to break these taboos and you know, possibly enable more cancer patients and their loved ones to access the services which will improve their quality of life. Yeah, I think it's it's very much about sort of informing people, giving people the information. And again, you know, I think there's so many ways in which cancer can impact you and impact your life and impact the, your family and those around you. And it's, I think, again, people are given given so much information at the start that they're overwhelmed by all the information they're given and actually all they've heard is I've got cancer and I've got to have this treatment and this operation and it's possibly going to you know have this effect on me Mm -hmm. Um, they don't understand all those other things that are going to happen and and as you say and you know it can have a very physical sort of impact on someone depending on the type of cancer it is and whether that's urinary um, sort of cancers or you know like as you say affecting people's um, sexual functions and again that's possibly the kind of things that you wouldn't want to discuss with those closest to you Mm -hmm. actually I think knowing that there are these amazing organizations out there that provide and again it's something that we hear more and more that that provide a safe space where you can have the conversations Mm -hmm. about the things that are really worrying you Mm -hmm. that you don't want to have with your close friends and close family Mm -hmm. and objective um, approaches as well I imagine yeah again we've just been doing some interviews around the country with different people sort of around cancer care and again we, we keep hearing people referring to the cancer centers the support groups that they go to as a safe space for them to mm-hmm. sort of talk about things with other people who really who you know they know understand what they're going through because they've gone through similar or are going through similar themselves mm-hmm. we interviewed someone last week I've just been looking editing his films yesterday and it's an Afro-Caribbean guy in London who was diagnosed with prostate cancer um, when he was 50 mm-hmm. um and he talks very candidly with us around how men just won't talk about these things. You know, mm-hmm. And there's a huge, you know, issue with the sort of black community not coming forward and presenting very, really late with 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 things like prostate cancer because it is a taboo that you don't talk about. You kind of ignore these things. You just yes. you don't want to admit that you've got, and as, as he said in his interview, <laughs> you've got an issue down there. Yes, and and actually. You know, these support centres allow safe spaces for people to come along and actually talk about these things and and actually get the help and the the, the treatment that they need. That's a really interesting example, because um, I've I've actually done a few interviews with um, two Afro-Caribbean men about this. So, um, yeah, maybe we'll have to touch base on that in another conversation. But it is a very important one. And, and in fact, I, I saw something today about GPs engaging with black men, you know, in the early stages and bringing, sending them for, for more diagnostic treatment on prostate cancer. And it, it's a very pronounced differential in terms of how, how they get access to these services, which, which actually leads me on to another question that I think is, is something at the top of a lot of people's list the last few months, if not the last few weeks. And that's this concept of health inequalities. This, this has become more and more apparent and talked about, you know, certainly since our experience with, with COVID. And again, you know, defined as the, the variability in, in both health outcomes and the availability of services to people based on whether it's age, race, geography, and, and I guess other factors as well. So I'm wondering how Cancer Care Map might demonstrate these inequalities and or how you might address them or how you might simply raise awareness of them. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we're very aware of and it's reaching the hard to reach is, you know, we work very closely with the NHS England Cancer Alliances and it's something that we hear again and again around people are focused on health inequalities and how you reach the hard to reach. And it's those communities that for so many different factors, whether it's cultural or financial or just so many reasons why certain communities don't access healthcare. You know, we, we've seen it with the sort of the vaccine take up in, in the last 18 months and things as well. And I think that's true right across the board. So what we try and do with Cancer Care Map is we're sort of really pushing out there to everyone to keep it really simple as well, just so that people can just go on there and see what's around them. And again, you know, part of our focus is reaching out to not just the patients themselves, but those around them, because actually sometimes the people around them have got more access, the information is more accessible to them. And so if Mm -hmm. we can get them on board, then they can then impart that information back to the person that they're supporting. I mean, do you have any recent examples of various cancer patients that have really benefited from your services? And I'm I'm asking this also, you know, the knowledge that there is indeed this cancer backlog and a lot of people have approached cancer care, you know, with a lot more sort of fear and doubt and trepidation. So I'm I'm wondering what you've observed in the last few months. Yeah, so, so, so back in sort of September, we launched a sort of digital campaign across Google and Facebook and actually the engagement that we're getting with people, it's painting quite a bleak picture, really. And it's people who are seeing our short films and commenting on them. And a lot of what we're hearing is, well, I never had any of this. I didn't have any support. Or, you know, I've been looking after my husband for two years. We don't have any support. We don't have, there's nothing there for me. We know that we've got, you know, nearly 3,000 organisations on Cancer Care Map that are offering amazing care and support, but people don't know about them. A lot Mm -hmm. of people just don't know or they have sort of one negative experience and it puts them off asking for help they think actually they didn't help me so no one can and I think that's something that we need to really focus on and it's how do you get to those people how do you get the trust of people that they will access the services and will you know reach out for support when they need it. I guess on that note my final question to you would be what would you say to a recently diagnosed prostate cancer patient which is you know our community about identifying and accessing support? I mean, other than sending them to your website, which I will put on our our program notes, I'm I'm wondering what you would actually say to an individual about what's out there. You you actually sound very positive. You said something like 3,000, I think, organizations are present on your map. Yeah, we've we've got nearly 3,000 local and national organizations that are out there. You know, we know, we talk to these people every day. They're out there working really hard, providing amazing care and support. And sometimes it's a very simple thing that can make a huge difference to someone again through the interviews that we've been doing recently the sort of two things we hear are people saying just ask for help just don't be afraid be honest ask for help if you're struggling look for help don't try and do it alone the second thing though really is people saying don't feel pressured take your time don't feel you have to tackle everything at once and actually we we know a, a, a lot of people sometimes it's maybe sort of six months after their initial diagnosis, after they've had their treatment and you know, they're recovering and they're sort of, they've, they've moved on or they're in, even if they're in palliative care, it's that later on sometimes the impacts of what's happened to them really hits them. And that's hopefully by putting everything on Cancer Care Map, you know, you can come back to it at any point. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it goes back to that initial, you know, when people initially diagnose, they're given a huge folder of information and leaflets and phone numbers and you know, it's it's too much and it all gets thrown away somewhere or shoved in a corner. And actually yeah. in six months time when you think, actually, I'm really struggling now, I could do with some help. You don't know, you've no idea where that leaflet's gone. Mm-hmm. But actually, 
it's all there on Cancer Care Map. And I think the, the thing to say as well with Cancer Care Map is that we check and verify all the information that goes on to the map. So it's you, you know it's trusted. We also check and update information every two to three months, which again is really important because you know things change so quickly, especially in the last sort of 18 months, as services have adapted and continue to adapt to you know the impact of, of, of the lockdowns and the restrictions. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's just knowing that that information is there and knowing that there's always help for you wherever you, which, whichever part of the, the sort of awful word to use journey that you're on. That's a very positive message, and and you know, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the program because there there really are these services out there, and it's really wonderful to see you trying to consolidate them in a way that gives people access. Thank you. There are all these amazing services and amazing centres that are sort of charity run and community led. And they do provide that safe space where you can go along and just have those conversations or just sit down and be angry or sit down and cry with people who really understand who, you know, aren't your friends and family, who are people that have been through what you're going through. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. It's really important to know that there are these safe spaces out there. Indeed. Well, Robin, many thanks for speaking with me today. It's been a real pleasure. Brilliant. Thank you so much. A transcript of this interview and links to Cancer Care Map are available in the program notes on our website, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.